All right, by now you know the drill. This is where I beg you for a rating or a review wherever you're listening, be it Apple, Spotify, MySpace, or Grinder. Five stars if you like it, one star if you hate it. All right, now that that garbage is out of the way, welcome to episode number Who Gives a Shit of the Valley Boys. I am your host, Dave Weasel. Let's get this over with. It's September, man. September 1st already. That just sneaks up on you, you know? It's already here. One minute, I'm out there on the beach, slathering my pale walrus body in sunscreen like it's sauce on a McRib, and now I'm being fed all these back-to-school ads and specials, and it's just like, August feels like it's this endless sun-drenched oasis, but in reality, August is the Sunday of summer. You know, while you're you're while you're enjoying it, all of the real life responsibilities are right around the corner. And that's always on the back of your mind. September is like that Monday morning alarm clock that you forgot to set, but it goes off anyway. They actually start that back to school ad bullshit uh, as soon as summer starts, really. It's like they're playing uh, the New Year's Eve song on Halloween. What a seasonal shakedown that is. Kindergartners need to have three highlighters. They got that on their back to school shopping list. What are they going to do with that? Was that made by someone who only knows about children in clinical studies? Were they themselves never even a child? Did someone grow them in a lab and they came out as a full adult? Three highlighters? They're still at the age where they they eat crayons and and, and, and glue like they're condiments. I mean, what notes are a five-year-old taking that they need to uh, highlight them with neon ink? Especially with three of them. Three different colors, you know? It's like, all right, kid. You highlight the synergies in yellow, liabilities in pink, and uh, existential dread in orange. Oh, you mixed them up. Ah, oh, now you're eating them. <laughs> I mean, w- would that be on the progress report? It's like, hey, your kid is not using highlighters correctly. It's like he's five years old. I mean, how do you respond to that? How do you even pretend to show concern? You know, it's like, well, you know, in this house, we respect highlighters and, uh, you know, we'll get them on a proper schedule and routine for the color coordination right away. You know, the only thing that that a kid's going to highlight is their own nostrils. Man, September. It's allegedly uh, the second, second chance for the, for a new makeover right after January 1st. Yeah, right. The only new you that I'm going to be doing, at least, is putting pumpkin spice in that milkshake of a coffee order I got. My birthday is this month, though. I'll be, my God, I'll be 39. (laughs) You know, people like to make, uh, 39, but I act like a juvenile sometimes. We all know that. I like making fart jokes, and people like to point that out. Uh, They like to point out I'm a guy who likes to make a lot of fart jokes, but I never actually fart. As if making a fart joke is some kind of binding societal contract that I've entered into. It's like, excuse me. When did I sign an agreement that says, like, you know, if I joke about it, I must also do it? Could you imagine if that were true with any other comedian? You know, what if somebody makes a joke about the Holocaust? Is it going to goose step around Hollywood Boulevard? Uh, Whatever. Like, okay, let's address the elephant in the room, or rather the fart smell. Well, that isn't there. People, you know, might be politely pretending not to notice, but uh, listen, I'm a smoker, okay? You ever wonder what I'm doing out there when I go to smoke? You know, I'm not just inhaling tar and nicotine and a... In a quiet moment of self-reflection, all right? It's Fart City out there. I've basically got a mullet going on. Smoke in the front, fart in the back. And here's the thing. People used to romanticize smoking breaks as this uh, sort of a James Dean moment, you know? They think that uh, we're out there thinking we're cool. Leaning against a brick wall with a leather jacket. Maybe maybe pondering the complexities of, of life as we exhale a plume of smoke that dances in the night sky. No, dude. What's actually happening is far less poetic, man. You know, I'm not a bohemian artist. I'm a one-man wind section of the orchestra. Smoking areas are not these cinematic set pieces, you know? They're, they're more like a designated zone where all of the societal norms take a five-minute smoke break, too. 
You know, if you walk into a smoking area, you got to be prepared for anything. You know, obscure political debates. People who've made regrettable life like drunk people, dude. That's what it is. It's all drunk people who say they only smoke when they're drinking and they constantly ask you for a cigarette. And of course, the occasional fart heard around the wall. Now look, it's not like uh, you know, I want to be known as the fart guy, but that's part of life, you know? People act like farting is this uh, social faux pas, but then they'll turn around and laugh at fart jokes. I mean, what's the logic in that? It's like saying you're a fan of action movies, but uh, disapprove of the explosives. Oh, I love a good car chase, but why do they got to blow up the car at the end? It's just so crass. Look, we can't have it both ways. Either you're all in on the fart joke, or we need to retire it as a society, and we're not ready for that. That's still comedic gold. So whatever. Next time you see somebody out there smoking a cigarette, just know he's also taking a fart walk. You know, at least it is for me. All right, what else here? Oh, okay, so I was traveling this week. Um, I was in a part of America where, and I, I, I can't stress this part enough, okay? Um, I was in a part of America where the women's bathroom was just as blown up and stinking as bad as the men's, okay? There's many different parts of America where that's the case, but uh, this was Northern California and Southern Oregon, okay? That little border area, maybe 20 miles each way, that's where that happens. Now, I've never been in a women's bathroom before this experience, but... Um, you know, I've been led to believe that entering a women's room is is like stepping into a meadow where fairies are handing out lavender springs and everyone's just having polite conversations about I don't I don't know literature and equal pay. Okay, I mean in movies women go to the bathrooms in groups and it's it's portrayed like 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 some kind of sorority meeting where everything is clean and smells like Bath and Body Works through a banquet. But no, not in Northern California and Southern Oregon. Okay, I accidentally walked into a women's bathroom. Don't worry. It was an honest mistake. No laws were broken. Let me tell you, it was an olfactory awakening, man. It was like walking into a Dickens novel you know, if you wrote about public bathrooms. And I thought, is this a social experiment? Why does it stink so bad in here, worse than anything I've ever smelled? Is someone hiding with a phone to put me on TikTok? But no, that's just the reality of this part of the country, where apparently gender equality has been fully realized, but only in the realm of uh, butt stinks. I start to wonder, you know, is this, is, is this what equality looks like? Is this what we've been striving for? In the quest for equal pay and equal rights, do we also level the playing field of bathroom stenches? Is this a hill we're dying on? Now, don't get me wrong. Of course I'm all for equality. But does this have to be the first frontier where we achieve it? You know, we might need to reassess our priorities. This isn't the, the you know, like the moon landing. <laughs> this isn't our, we landed on the moon moment for gender rights. You know, Neil Armstrong didn't take that first step on lunar soil and say, one, one small step for man. One giant fart from women's rights. <laughs> this is the part of the country where air fresheners are completely useless. You know, it's like they had one of those, um, they had one of those automated spritzers in the corner, you know? But that's like putting a Band-Aid on a volcano of diarrhea. You can't just spritz away years of ingrained restroom inequality with a puff of spring rain or, or, or mountain breeze. You know, it's like, it's like the air freshener was there to mock us. It's a, it's a, it's a futile symbol of what could have been and what never will be. You know, you can even press the button on it, and it's it's like the room just sighs. <laughs> oh, you naive fool. This scent is just, is, a, is just a top note in a symphony of smells that you're not prepared to understand. So there it is. There it is. In one isolated corner of the country, I discovered the equality we didn't ask for but apparently deserve. It's a place where your gender does not protect you from the stink assault of the public bathroom. Good for you, ladies. You're one step closer. And you know what? This is also the part of the West Coast where you'll see those... Um, bumper stickers that say stuff like i'm armed and angry i saw that one it's like first off if you're both of those things armed and angry maybe don't advertise it you know 
That's like if somebody had a bumper sticker that said, I'm allergic to bees and I'm covered in honey. You're just setting the stage for something terrible to happen. I was driving behind this car, right? And I swear, it was like it was like being behind a lion that just went vegan. You know, like you're trying to do the right thing and keep your distance, but you're not entirely sure if they're committed to this lifestyle or not. Now, here's the kicker, man. This wasn't some rundown truck that's been impounded at least twice for a DUI like you'd imagine. This is like a 2003 Honda Civic with just that bumper sticker, you know? It's like, make up your mind. Are you an angry philosopher? Are you a paradox on wheels or just a satirical cartoon? I mean, who is this person? And why advertise the angry part? Is that supposed to be a deterrent? Is that the threat? Because it sounds more like a warning sign you'd see at, at uh, the entrance of a, of a haunted hayride, you know? Enter at your own risk. The scarecrows have pitchforks and unresolved childhood issues. Honestly, it's not the arm part that scares me. It's the angry. Angry about what? Traffic? Taxes? The fact that Firefly got canceled after one season? What level of anger are we even talking about here? Because there's a big difference between I'm angry that they discontinued my favorite fa flavor of LaCroix and I'm angry Trump got arrested committing those crimes. Not that that's what this is about. You know, I'm sure I'm sure that's in the water up there between NorCal and So Or. Is that what it's called? I don't know. So Or, Southern Oregon. I don't know, but it seems like a zone where um, personal boundaries are less of a suggestion and more of a challenge, you know? And what's the etiquette for uh, driving behind a car like that? Do you give them space? Do you make eye contact? Do you try and pass them? Or is that like uh, the car version of poking the bear? I feel like I need a handbook or a survival guide for dealing with such uniquely expressive bumper stickers. So here's what I learned um, from that confusing land of mixed identities and emotionally charged accessories. Uh, it's a place where rules are made up and points don't matter. You know, it's like whose line it is, is it anyway, but it's for your civil liberties. And that stretch of the American landscape, I don't know, people, they don't just wear their hearts on their sleeves, they slap it on the back of their sedans. And whether you find that terrifying, hilarious, or whatever, some combination of it, you better keep your eyes on the road and your opinions to yourself. All right? I'm a 49ers fan, but I won't, uh, I'm not going to advertise that in my car. Okay? What if I encounter a Raiders fan on his last straw? You know, most of them have ankle bracelets anyway. Uh... <laughs> I mean, here's okay. Here's a travel tip: if you're if you're on a road trip, um, when you have to stop, do it in a small town. Okay, the smaller the town, the better. Okay, that's where people make the fatal error. They pull off the highway at the edge of a city like uh, Sacramento, and they think, oh, okay, this is fine. This is a city; it'll be civilized. <laughs> oh no, no, you've just entered the zone I like to call gross. Okay, it's as if the edge of the city gas stations double as some kind of bizarre lawless daycare. Okay, where kids are unleashed like they're being shot out of a cannon. First of all, why are there so many children at a gas station? This isn't a park. Is the Arco station the Chuck E. Cheese of Sacramento? But whatever, parents bring their kids there and they run wild like they're releasing doves at a wedding. And I don't know who's louder, okay? The shrieking toddler or their 40-year-old grandmother who's also drinking a can of Steel Reserve. I mean, nothing says responsible childcare like malt liquor, but she's sitting there just drinking that regret in a can yelling things like, hey, Brayden, get off the roof. At the gas station. And it's all happening in, in, in sort of this vocal register that sounds like a rusted bush plane engine. Now remember, if you're there to use the bathroom um, and you suddenly find yourself in this uh, circus performance that no one auditioned for but everyone knows the, the, the script, here's what I say. If you have to stop, make it in a small town, okay? The small town, that's the gas station sanctuary. The restroom... Okay, it might be decked out with rustic decor, and the men's room stinks as much as the women's, but it's like a, it's like a museum exhibit um, at the, for rural America, 
You know, you walk in and there's this wood carving of a fish and you're like, well, I don't really need this, but I can see someone buying it. And the attendant, he knows all the local gossip and gives you unsolicited advice, you know? It's like, oh, if you're headed up north, don't pass the Millie's farm. The sheriff likes that. You know, it's charming. It's quiet. You do your business and you leave. In the city outskirts, it's a full-on episode of Survivor. But the stakes are just making it to the bathroom and out again without being accosted by feral children or young, drunk grandparents. You know, you come in hoping to relieve yourself, maybe grab a bag of chips, but you leave with a migraine and a deep concern for the future of America. And a little bit of a suspicion that Braden might have pickpocketed your phone when you weren't looking. Hey, college football enthusiasts, does the air smell a little different to you? A little like AstroTurf and academic pressure? That's because week one is just around the corner. But fear not, DraftKings Sportsbook is stepping onto the field like a quarterback with something to prove. Now, if you're a newcomer, you could be part of it with just a mere $5. Even the athletes you're betting on can afford that. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on college football and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Anything could happen in college football. Your team could go from living in the shadows of the chess club to full-on dynasties faster than you cleaning your dorm room before a date. Life's more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VALLEYBOYS. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on college football. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code VALLEYBOYS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling, call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Visit dkng.co slash football for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. But you know what? Hey, I don't complain about kids going wild in public as long as it's safe. Okay? Some people are inconvenienced by it. You know, especially if you're at a place where you don't typically bring children. Like, say, hey, happy hour at Buffalo Wild Wings. Fine. Fine. But um, do you know where I was recently where adults are somehow inconvenienced by children who actually belong there? Yeah, that's right. I went back to Disneyland with my little girl and encountered even more adults. So here we go again with the Disney adults. All right, the last time I talked about this a few months ago on an episode literally called Disney Adults, I got a lot of uh, hatred for that. Listen, I'm probably not even talking about you. If you're an adult that goes to Disneyland alone or with your friends without children, hey, that's cool. This isn't about you. I'm talking about the adults. They're either solo or in groups going there and just taking over the place, okay? I'm talking about the people where they're just zooming around the park like they're on some kind of mission, you know? They've got their mouse ears and their little autograph books ready. But they bulldoze through the crowds and they kick over kids like they're bowling pins. That's who I'm talking about. All right, my little girl, she just wants to shake Mickey's hand, okay? She doesn't need to get leveled by some 35-year-old incel in an ill-fitting aerial t-shirt. And you see these adults, they're not just there to ride teacups or whatever rides they can actually fit on. They're there to monopolize the princesses, okay? I swear, they treat meeting Cinderella like it's a celebrity meet and greep. Greep. <laughs> Greet. I'm, I'm thinking creep and greet, whatever. These are the same people that thought wrestling was real for way too long. 
You know, they got they got questions prepped relative to Disney canon, like they're like they're Jeopardy contestants, you know, or they're hoping to catch the princess off her game to show that they know more than the actor. They want like, you know, pictures from eighteen different angles, and they they make it an entire spectacle. And the kids are just standing there waiting and thinking, "Hey, when's it my turn?" You know, I thought Cinderella liked kids, not Carrington from accounting. Even the kids know that they're just cartoons and not real life. <laughs> and what's so urgent that these Disney adults need to make it the whole day about them, huh? Are their lives so devoid of excitement that they need to co-opt a child's fantasy to feel fulfilled? They have the same reaction as a barfly at Buffalo Wild Wings would have as if someone brought a bunch of kids from a daycare. They're like, ugh, kids, ugh. <laughs> Disneyland, Disneyland was designed. Okay, as a, as, a, as a place for kids to meet Snow White. Not for Brenda to clog the line with her theories on Frozen 2 and how it's a metaphor, metaphor for climate change. Like, let it go, Brenda. Let it go. And she's like, oh, look at that. I just made eye contact with Belle. Now my life is complete. Like, no, dude. That actress and all the kids in line just think the beast is real now. You just made it weird for everyone else. I mean, you want to enjoy Disney as an adult? That's so, that's great. No problem. Go there, get yourself a turkey leg the size of a baseball bat and watch the fireworks and, you know, have the time of your life. But don't turn it into this obsessive quest to recapture your lost childhood or whatever you're trying to hold on to. Because let me tell you, that ship is sailed, buddy. And unlike Moana's boat, it's not coming back. You ever hear that uh, Bibbidi-Bobbidi Boutique at Disneyland? It's this uh, magical salon where little kids get transformed into princesses or knights. And my little girl, she loves it, you know? They get the full treatment, the hair, the makeup, the whole shebang. It's sweet, okay? And you know what's great? The best part about it is that they don't allow adults in there. And thank God for that. Could you imagine if they let Disney adults get in on that action? That place would be turned into a nightmare circus so fast. First of all, the kids wouldn't stand a chance. They'd be elbowed out of the way by some 40-year-old guy named Carl who's desperate to be transformed into Prince Charming. <laughs> Good luck. The poor fairy godmother in charge, that's what they're called, um, the stylist, She'd be stuck listening to Carl Wax poetic shit about hidden subtext and beauty in the beast, and she's just trying to sprinkle some magic glitter on his bald head. It's like, oh, you think Belle suffered from Stockholm Syndrome? That's fascinating, Carl. But maybe let the six-year-old have her moment now, huh? Let's get real. The Disney adult would not be low-maintenance customers. Oh, no. They come in with very specific and ludicrous demands. You know, it's like, I want my makeup to be exactly like Elsa's in scene 14 of Frozen 2. Right after she discovers the secret chamber, but before she unleashes the beast. Or whatever it is. You know, they'd have screenshots and blueprints and everything. And the poor staff would need a, need a master's degree in Disney just to keep up. And man, the photo sessions. Whew. Kids are easy to please. You know, you give them a plastic tiara and they feel like they rule the world. But a Disney adult, they need a full-on Vogue editorial shoot. You know, different angles, lighting adjustments, maybe some wind in their hair for a dramatic I'm defying my evil stepmother look. That line will be backed all the way to Tomorrowland, you know, which is with kids just waiting to get a sprinkle of pixie dust all because Karen needs to capture her perfect Cinderella moment for her 13 Instagram followers. So, you know what? Kudos to Disneyland for drawing the line somewhere. These adults walking in looking like Ursula wanting to be dressed up as Cinderella, but waddle out looking like a walrus painted a glitter. No way, dude. And these are grown adult people, you know, they have jobs and responsibilities. And you know damn well, you know that they think wishing upon a star is a real thing. They probably do that every night. They're looking up at the night sky, squinting at some distant ball of burning gas and thinking, you know what? Maybe that celestial object will solve all of my problems. Because, hey, it worked for a puppet who wanted to be a boy. 
<laughs> and it's not like their wishes are going to be normal, straightforward things. Nah, dude, they're wishing for an extended cut of Beauty and the Beast where Gaston's doing push-ups with his shirt off. You know, I can see it now. They're sitting there in their overpriced Disney-themed adult onesies that they absolutely wear. Trust me on that. And they're just concentrating, you know, similar to Pinocchio. They might wish uh, for a real child of their own, but, you know, that's not going to happen. Usually parents of childless adults ask them, when are you going to give me grandbabies? But, you know, that's not happening with the Disney adults. They've either given up or they go, eh, don't worry about it. That's not, you. That's not your thing. Keep ordering off the kid's menu. You know, it's not that cute. They're usually unapologetic about it. You know, they're out there wishing on stars like they're tapping into some cosmic Disney Plus add-on that'll grant them unlimited dreams. Oh, you wish for good health and happiness? That's cute. I wish for a deleted scene where Elsa and Anna discuss the complexities of uh, the Scandinavian geopolitical landscape during the 19th century. Fingers crossed. It's like, come on, you're an adult. Get a grip. You want to make believe so bad? How about you pretend you're a functioning adult? You know, instead of this entitled loser plowing through children on the happiest day of their lives. But you know what else is kind of a weird, sad, dark, even part of Disneyland? It's the janitors, man. Even the janitors have to wear costumes. You know, it's already a job that's undervalued. Why do we have to turn these, we turn these people into living cartoons? It's like we tell them, hey, make sure you wear the dunce hat when you're cleaning up that kid's vomit. You know, you've got these guys that are pushing brooms, but they're wearing vests and bow ties like they're, like they're about to break into a barbershop quartet, you know? It's like, hello, sir, welcome to Disneyland. Let me serenade you while I wipe all that Disney adult's piss off the seat. You know, he's a janitor. He's not a member of the Dapper Dance or Chippendales. <laughs> it's as if uh, Disney is trying to say, hey, you know, uh, you're cleaning up trash and scrubbing toilets. How about we make this even more surreal by dressing you up like you're attending a 19th century garden party? Man, it's a job. It's not a performance piece. This guy is... This guy's mopping up after some toddler or Disney adult who couldn't make it to the bathroom in time. He's not doing it for artistic ex expression, you know? He's doing it to pay his rent, which in Orange County, you know, at Disney employee wages probably doesn't even cover it. So what's next? Are they going to have janitors dress up like Disney villains? Could you imagine getting your bathroom clean by someone dressed up as Ursula? You know, you walk into the bathroom and there's this guy dressed up as, a, as, as an octopus woman cleaning the sink. You know, that's not magical. That's just kind of weird and unsettling. And let's be real. Disney already has that reputation for being super controlling about their image, right? So um, is this all part of the grand illusion that they're trying to create? What exactly is the message they're sending? That it's the happiest place on earth and uh, even the people dealing with the most miserable parts of humanity, literal garbage, have to look chipper and fantastical? You know, that doesn't honor the worker. That's just putting a fancy hat on a bad situation. Now, I get it. Disney is supposed to be an escape from reality for kids and adults alike. But let's not extend the fantasy so far that we forget that some of these people are working hard in roles that aren't so glamorous, you know? These are the folks who make it possible for you to walk around without stepping on gum or slipping in pukey pee. They deserve some dignity and respect. Not a getup that makes them look like they're auditioning for a children's theater production of Great Expectations. You want to make it a magical place? Start by treating everyone, even the janitors, like the real human beings, not background characters in some Disney adults fairy tale. And maybe pay them a living wage. Whatever. That's getting a little ranty. What else? We're going to wrap this up soon. Oh, you ever go on that It's a Small Ride? Or sorry, It's a Small World Ride? You know that little boat that takes you on the... Uh, on a ride with these little animatronic kids from around the world. They're singing that song that gets people to talk at Guantanamo Bay. Yeah, that one. That one. It's supposed to be this great message of global unity or something, right? It's like, oh, look, we're all the same. Isn't it wonderful? But, man, 
Could you, if you go on that ride today, it's like navigating through a minefield of cultural stereotypes. Now, I'm not getting all woke here, you know, but they're not exactly people dressed like real people. They're dressed like what someone during the civil rights movement might have thought diversity looked like at the time. You know, it's like, oh, yes, uh, let's put the kid from Africa in a grass skirt, the kid in China in a bamboo hat. I mean, they'd have to update the American kid. You know, he'd have to be the size of a Disney adult, but he's wearing a cowboy hat, you know, with an American flag on it and a... He's got a bumper sticker that says armed and angry. <laughs> Could you imagine trying to launch that ride today? You know, the Internet would have a meltdown. You know, there'd be hashtags and boycotts and maybe even people picketing outside Disneyland. You know, stop the cultural appropriation ride. It's like, what do you mean it's a small world? Are you minimizing my unique cultural experience? <laughs> Everyone would be offended on behalf of somebody else. And, and honestly, some of it is for good reason. You know, it's like a. It's like, it's like a ride designed by someone who looked at a globe once and said, okay, I got the gist of it. There's zero nuance here. They're going to have Italian kids reenacting the Godfather. <laughs> now, I get it. I get it. The ride had perfectly good intentions, you know, but it's like your weird old uncle who still calls every video game a Nintendo, you know? He's not trying to be annoying. He's just stuck in a different era. It's the same way. It's a small world. Isn't trying to be offensive. It's just a product of its time. But also, hey, times have changed. You know, that ride is a, it's a floating relic of a worldview that uh, we've mostly moved past, you know? So you're left in this kind of weird dichotomy, right? On one hand, you've got a ride that's supposed to be about the unity and the shared human experience. And on the other, you're just imagining how angry people would be if they saw it and decided to be, uh, it's something to get angry about. All right, we're going to cut it off there, I think. Let's see. Yeah. All right. So uh, make sure you follow us online. I am at Dave Weasel on everything. Again, I have to point this out every single time. I did not buy my blue, my blue check mark. We are at Valley Boys Pod on Twitter, at Valley Boys Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. Someone updated it this week. Uh, make sure you follow us on there. Uh, from Orange County, California, still the Valley Boys, still the Valley Boy. I don't know. We're just full of contradictions here. Good night. <laughs>